Welcome, everybody, to episode 189 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm your host, the Glorious League Freak, and I'm riding solo tonight. Uh, it's been a really big week on the podcast. We're actually currently having the most listeners we've ever had in a week, and we've still got 24 hours to go because of how the um, the timing of the podcast goes. And we also relaunched our website for Fergo and the Freak. If you go to fergoandthefreak.com, you can check it out. It's a lot like rugbyleaguepodcastingnetwork.net. It's got the same sort of look to it, but it's going to be really easy to navigate that. You can see we've got the, all of the history episodes in one place. We've got all of the guests we've had in one place. All the guests have their own tags and stuff like that. So there's been a little bit of work done there. Check it out. Um, I'm sure you'll like it. And it's something that we're going to be able to reference a lot as time goes on. We can say, look, go to where, go to the podcast website and check out this, that, or the, you know, whatever. Um, you can also see all of the social media channels on there too, up in the top right-hand corner when you go there. So if you're not really sure what all of the, you know, the links are for our social media channels, they're all there. So it's all in one place. It's great. Anyway, looking at the football that we've had this weekend, um, it's been a really interesting weekend. It started off on Thursday with the Panthers putting up a pretty solid performance against the Bunnies. They kind of did what they had to do against the Bunnies, which as a Panthers supporter, I was really, really happy with that. Uh, and then Friday afternoon or Friday evening, I guess you'd call it, the storm absolutely put the cleaners through the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors are not in a good place at the moment. There's talk that three of their players want to go home. The media's been talking about there's crisis talks between the NRL and the Warriors to try and get their season back on track. I'm not really sure what the NRL is supposed to say to them. You know, I would basically say, hey, you're feeling bad about not being at home? Well, that's what the money's for. Um, but yeah, the Warriors were, were absolutely terrible. They look like they've pretty much given up on this season. And I can understand to, to a certain extent, they're not a very good team as it is anyway. Um, they were missing a couple of players. But look, the the team that ran out there against the Storm, you'd take RTS and you could basically clean out the rest of the team for the most part. And I think you wouldn't really lose too much, you know. So that was a really poor performance by the Warriors. And then on Friday evening, we had that really weird game between the Roosters and the Dragons. To start that game, the Roosters looked like they were going to absolutely flog the Dragons. And then we had two devastating injuries. Um, Victor Radley did his ACL. He's done for the year. And then uh, Sam Verrills also did his ACL a couple of minutes later. And he's done for the year. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen two players' seasons end like that in the exact same way, basically. It was really weird. And then Boyd Cordner, um, he had a bit of a, an ankle injury or a lower ankle, uh, lower leg injury. And so he was struggling a bit and then copped a head knock, had a really bad cut on his head. And it took the momentum out of the uh, the Roosters' side for the second 20 minutes of the first half. And we saw the, the Dragons sort of come steaming back into the contest. Ended up at halftime where it was 10 points all. And you at, at halftime, we're hearing lots of, you know, we know that two of the, the Roosters' plays this season is already over. There's a lot of hype in the media about, oh, the Parramatta surface, the Parramatta Stadium surface, it's absolutely terrible. Uh, and then the the Roosters come out in that second half and we're like, oh, yeah, we're the Roosters. We're better than the Dragons. 
and they they put it to the Dragons. So that was a pretty good win by the the Roosters at the end of the day, but um, lost a little bit of depth in that one. And I think the loss of Radley, he's not a superstar, but he does fill a few gaps in their team whenever they need it. And I kind of look at him as a bit of a glue guy. There's always, I always feel like a premiership winning team. They need one player that can do a little bit of everything. Um, and he was that player for the Roosters. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can get on without him going forward. Uh, so I guess we're going to see that uh, for the rest of the year because unfortunately those two players are gone. Then we had the Cowboys who just romped away in the first half against the the Newcastle Knights up there in Townsville in front of, I think it was about 2,000 people I let into the crowd, which was cool up there. And the Knights looked terrible. Um, this game was over. The Knights ended up putting on uh, some points in the second half. Made it seem like it was a bit interesting. But if you watch the game, it was just completely over. Like the Cowboys never looked in any trouble at all, even though it seemed like the Knights come back from this one. Uh, Mitchell Pierce was absolutely diabolical in this game. It was really, really poor performance by him. One of his worst performances I've ever seen. So that wasn't real good. They probably should have won this contest, the Knights. I felt like this season where they've been on the ladder, I mean, you can't take it away from them. They won all of those games. But I felt as though they were higher on the ladder than they probably should have been. I feel as though they're a a seventh or eighth place sort of team. And, you know, a loss like this, it's going to drop them down the ladder a bit. But, yeah, it was a worrying one. Um, Their forwards played pretty well in the second half. But by then, the game was over, so it didn't really matter. And then we saw... Probably the most controversial game of the round. The uh, the Titans absolutely spanked the Broncos. And I don't think the scoreline... The scoreline was 30 points to 12 at the end. I don't think the scoreline really shows how badly the Broncos played. They just have no direction. Their game plan is very simplistic. They've got a few plays in that team that just need to be put out to pasture. I think that they're... The way their lineup is constructed is very poor. And I think that they're kind of missing some of the, you know, they've got a lot of big boppers in their side, especially in their forward pack. A lot of guys that will are a real handful, but because they're so big, they haven't got much mobility. And that really hurts this Broncos team. I feel as though they need a couple of just toilers in the back row, and that would fix up quite a few of their problems. They are a young team, but at some point, they are also a talented team as well. They're young and talented. They're also an older team than the Penrith Panthers, and we look at where the Panthers are right now, so they're going all right. Seabol, after this game, looked dejected, and he started talking about how long his contract is there for, which is always a a really bad sign. Um, It almost was like he was saying to the board, look, if you want rid of me, you're going to have to pay me out because I'm not walking away. Um, I said that if he goes, I think that the CEO, Paul White, should also go because I was shocked that he was given that contract by the Broncos when you consider that he was, you know, he was still a bit of an unproven coach when they signed him. And between that and the Darius Boyd contract, 
and some of the other moves that have happened over the Bron- at the Broncos in their recent years, I just think that Paul White has to fall on his sword. You know, some of these decisions that they've made are really bad. The Darius Boyd contract is devastating. And if they've got to pay out Seabold, it's going to be terrible for the club's bottom line. They're not going to get a, a coach that comes in for cheap. It's the Brisbane Broncos. Everyone knows they've got the money. And everyone knows that it's a very pressure-packed uh, coaching position as well. So no one's going to go there and be there on the cheap. Um, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And I think Paul White is really going to have to you know, be one of the people that leaves the club because it's just not good enough. Uh, there's been a lot of talk too after this match about how the Broncos, this isn't the Broncos way and the Broncos don't expect this. I, I always think that that's a real big trouble sign. Uh, it's a warning sign almost when you see people saying, yeah, but our club doesn't expect this. Yeah, our club's different. No club's different. You know, you need a good coach. You need talent. You need junior development. And if you've got those three things in place, I don't care where the club is or what they're called, they're going to go well. And the Broncos, you know, the junior development's not too bad, but the coaching is terrible there at the moment, unfortunately. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he makes it to the end of the year. I'd be shocked if he did. And, you know, if I was Jeff, I would just get Jeff Tuvey in. That's what I would do. I talked on Twitter about them maybe getting Kevin Walters, but he just re-signed with Queensland Rugby League just today, actually. He's signed a contract extension. So I doubt he's going to be able to coach for the Broncos unless there's some clause in his contract that allows him to, which, you know, if you're going to do it, this was the year to do it. He could coach for the rest of the year at the Broncos and then because of the state of origins after the year, it wouldn't really affect anything. But yeah, it's uh, it's not fun times up there for the Broncos. Then we had the big blockbuster on Saturday night between the Eels and the Raiders. And this game was really weird. Um, you know, it ended up going to Golden Point and the Eels won in Golden Point 25 to 24. The Eels had this game wrapped up. This game was done and dusted. They had it really comfortably wrapped up. And then the last couple of minutes, the Raiders put on a couple of quick tries and all of a sudden it was golden point. It was really strange. Looking at this game, there's a few things jump out of at it for me. I think that uh, obviously the, the injury to Mitchell Moses is a real concern. When I, when I saw him come from the field and I thought it, that he had an Achilles issue, it turns out they're saying that he has a torn calf, which is way, way better than an Achilles tear or anything like that. So that in itself is good news. They play pretty well without him, which I think is a good sign for the club. You know, it reminds me a little bit of the Panthers earlier this year when they didn't have Cleary because he had his TikTok suspension. It's not the worst thing in the world when your team can still at least play all right without its playmaker, its number one playmaker. I think that uh, it's going to cost them some games not having Mitchell Moses out there. But at the same time, I think it could galvanize them. And I think it could be the making of, of Brown, actually. I think Dylan Brown is a fantastic player. I think he's really underrated. Um, he's one of those players that 
I feel as though in a couple of years' time might be talked about in rep circles. So it's going to be interesting to see if he just takes control of everything at the Eels right now. Um, and I think he's it's at a point in his career where he could and he's ready to, which is really cool to see. For the Raiders, uh, Josh Hodgson, he played terribly. He just played terribly. And he has been for a, a while now. I don't rate him as a first-grade hooker. And I've been getting a lot of heat saying that. But I think if you look at the way that he passes out of dummy half, his service can be really poor. And some of the choices he makes out of dummy half are really detrimental to this uh, Raiders team. I also think that George Williams is just not a first-grade halfback. He gets tackled a lot on the fifth tackle, which is a real problem. Like he, he might have been able to do that in Super League. You can't keep doing that in the NRL. Um, and there's a, a certain level of situation awareness that he just doesn't have where it just keeps happening. His kicking game isn't too bad. I don't mind his kicking game. Um, and as a ball runner, I actually like him as a halfback, but he just doesn't have the ability to guide a team around the field. And the Raiders are desperate for that. When you're a, when you're a drop back in level from Aiden Caesar, it's a real problem. And I do, I really think that this is a problem the Raiders need to sort out. They've got a very big forward pack. And I think that the way that the rules are applied right now in rugby league, in the NRL anyway, it doesn't really suit their bigger pack, unfortunately. But they've still got enough talent there to get the job done. Uh, Jack White was very quiet, which is not like him. Normally he's their best player in the field every single game. And Curtis Scott was absolutely diabolical defensively. He was just all over the place. I'd be shocked if he played next week. Um, he was just that bad. He he was tragic in defense. So, And yet, with all of that, they still managed to push the Eels to Golden Point. There's something that they can take away from that. You know, one thing I'll say about a team like Canberra they got to the grand final last year. Their goal is nothing less than the grand final this year. Where their team is at, it's not like you look at their team and you say, well, this is a team that's going to be great in the next three or four years. Like Their time is now, and they've got to really push for any improvements they can get as soon as possible, because I really do. I think that this is the time for the Raiders, and you know, I do worry about some of the shortcomings of their players. I really, really do. And I know that's not going to make me popular amongst uh, Raiders supporters. I sure as shit know that a lot of Poms were pretty upset with what I was saying, but it's honestly how I feel when I watch them play. And it's a concern for me. Anyway, so then we went into Sunday afternoon. And the the Seagulls versus Sharks game was a little bit shocking. The Sharks absolutely whipped the Seagulls. 40 points to 22. The scoreline, once again, flattered the Seagulls. They were never in this contest. This was one of those games that it was just a slow, um, tedious game. It felt like it went on for about four hours. I will say that the Sharks didn't look that great, even though they won by such a big margin. And the Seagulls just looked like they didn't want to be there. It was a really, really weird contest. I don't know how much the Seagulls can take out of this contest. I think that this is one of those games you sort of forget about, don't mention, and go into next week and hope that it doesn't happen again. As for the Sharks, 
maybe it shows that they are a team that they're not a bottom of the ladder team. I don't think they're a finals team, but they're definitely not a bottom of the ladder team. Um, John Morris will be happy to have seen that sort of performance out of them. And Sharks fans, I was watching Sharks fans on Twitter and they were going off their heads. They really enjoyed this match. Um, interesting game, but, you know, a bit of a slog. It was hard to watch. And then the last game of the round was between the Bulldogs and the West Tigers. And the Bulldogs, I'm sorry to say, just looked like they had nothing. Um, they got an, an injury early on to uh, Hopawade and it just didn't get much better from there. They just looked terrible in this match. The West Tigers looked all right. Nothing to write home about, I would say. They still made a, a bunch of, you know, poor errors and things like that that they would want to get out of their game. But they come in and they did the job against the Bulldogs. And it's kind of what you want to see from a team. Once again, you kind of... It, it's the sort of game that they had to win, you know. So it was good to see. Um, and yeah, it puts them into the top eight, actually, which is kind of interesting. So let's look through the ladder. The Eels still lead. They're on 12 competition points. They're ahead of the Penrith Panthers. The mighty Panthers are in second place on 11. Uh, just ahead of them on uh, 10 points, sorry, just behind them on 10 points, are the Roosters, followed by the Storm. So that's your top four, Eels, Panthers, Roosters, and Storm. I don't know about the Storm. I don't count them as one of the teams I consider to be the top four teams by the end of the year. I think the Raiders will get back up there, but we'll see. They looked a lot better with Cameron Smith at halfback, I've got to say, and Brandon Smith at hooker. Let's talk they might continue that going forward this year, and I really think they need to because no team can compete without a halfback. Uh, in fifth place, we have the Knights, who obviously dropped a, a couple of places. The West Tigers up there in sixth place. It's weird to not see them in ninth, but that's uh, that was a really good win by them. They play the Panthers in the next round, so it's going to be interesting to gauge them against the Panthers. Below them is the Raiders, which it shows what, you know, a little bit of bad form, and the Raiders could have been, they were up there in second place. All of a sudden, they're down there in seventh. Terrible. And below the Raiders, we've got the Seagulls in eighth place. So that's our top eight. Below them, we've got uh, three teams on six points. The Bunnies, who I kind of feel like that's about where they're going to be at the end of the year. The Cowboys, who they got that big win on the weekend, but they've got a lot of problems with their team, I think. The Sharks in 11th place, who are about where I expect them to be uh, in 12th place on four competition points, we've got the Dragons, uh, 13th place, the Titans, they'll be happy to get up off the bottom of the ladder. Uh, 14th place on four competition points, we've got the Warriors. 15th place on four competition points, we've got the Broncos, whose for and against is dreadful. Their, their points difference is minus 117 already. That's just terrible. And at the bottom of the ladder, we have the Canterbury Bulldogs, on just two competition points. So, yeah, interesting round of footy. A um, little bit of talk after the match about is the NRL losing the competitive balance between the top sides and the bottom sides? Because there's definitely feels like the top eight or maybe even the top, I feel like it's a top seven sides, six or seven teams are way better than everyone else. 
I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, I picked the Rabbitohs to be, I think, eighth place. I think the West Tigers are doing a little bit better than I expected, though. They've done pretty well since they dropped Benji Marshall, which is kind of sad because Benji Marshall is one of my favorite players. I don't know that the competitive balance in the NRL is all that poor. You know, we've seen some really good games between the Eels and the Panthers and the Eels and the Raiders. I think that a lot of the top eight sides match up pretty well together. You think of the Panthers versus Storm uh, the weekend before last. There's a lot of competitiveness there in the top eight. And even the top bottom eight sides, on their day, they can beat each other pretty, pretty well. But there's definitely that gap between the two groups. I think for the most part, it comes down to just poorly run clubs. You get a club like, say, for instance, the Warriors, poorly run. Um, the Broncos, poorly run. The Bulldogs, we know it's been happening with the Bulldogs. They're still getting over being poorly run. The Dragons, poorly run. Um, you get a team like, say, the the Rabbitohs and the Cowboys. I feel as though both of them teams are kind of in a bit of a transition period, which so that it's a little bit different for them. I feel as though the Sharks might be in a transition period as well. Um so I kind of let them off the hook a little bit. But that's what I've always felt like. The salary cap works, in my opinion. You can say whether teams get around the cap or whatever, but I think for the most part, it does keep the NRL competitive. But I've always felt like when you see a team that's really bad, it's normally just down to being really, really poorly run. So that's the way I kind of look at it. I think that the junior development pathways aren't too bad. I do think that the dropping the national youth competition was a bad move. I thought that we got a lot of very good talent out of that competition. And it's interesting to see some people who really lobbied hard to get the NYC scrapped and now saying that it was a, a mistake to do that, which is kind of funny. I, I always felt like the scrapping of the NYC was more about cutting costs and you know, like some of these people that talk about, you know, what should happen in rugby league, they change their minds back and forth so quickly. It's kind of weird. So it's interesting. I think we've got enough talent in the NRL. Though. Like I look at the top sides, the, the top, you know, you look at a team like the Eels, the Panthers, the Roosters, the Storm, even the Raiders, they've got plenty of depth. And that's something that I think is a, is a big difference between top sides and bottom teams. You know, you look at someone like the the Bulldogs, I know a lot of their fans are pissed off by how they're playing, but who are you going to bring in instead? You know, the talent just isn't there to bring in. So, you know, I, I don't know what people expect out of their team sometimes because there's just not the depth at some of the worst clubs in the game. And then you get a team like the the Dragons who have plenty of talent and they're just really poorly coached. The Broncos are kind of the same. So, you know, what are you supposed to do as a fan when you've got a team like that? Anyway, it's been a bit of a shorter episode to end the week. I uh, hope you enjoyed the round of football that we had. It was a little bit of a different round of football, I felt like. It was a little bit, uh, I don't know, there was something about it. Like there was some good games, some poor games. And then, you know, one or two games that you kind of just wanted to switch the TV off and watch something else. But 
They can't all be winners, can they? Anyway, if you want to check out anything that we do through the podcast, if you want to check out any of the social media channels or anything like that, go to furgoandthefreak.com. It's Fergo, A-N-D, thefreak.com, not the little and sign. And check it out. Have a look. Look through the history episodes. Um, you can see the different ways you can listen to us on there. You can get in, in contact with us. We've got a uh, really easy to use contact form on the site. You just go to contact to go in, type in whatever you want us to talk about. We've got a few emails to read out when we uh, do a proper episode uh, this week. So we'll do that. Going to try and get a couple of guests on this week if we can as well. Um, follow me on Twitter. Just go to League Freak. No space on Twitter. Go and follow Andrew as well. It's Andrew RLP on Twitter. Um, go to his Patreon page. It's all about the digitization of rugby league history. It's very important. So go to patreon.com slash RL project. There's you can donate whatever you want to him month by month. Um, it's a great cause. He puts up lots of um like custom articles and things like that for his Patreon subscribers. So that's fantastic. Go to my Patreon. My one is patreon.com slash league freak. No space. Um I am gonna try and get some stuff sorted out for everybody that signed up to my Patreon page. A little bit of merch, depending on what level you subscribe at. Uh, it starts at um, $3 US a month, then $5 US a month, then $10 US a month is my highest tier. So I haven't even set the highest tier that high. So And all of the, the funding for that goes into the websites that are on, which is leaguefreak.com, um, rugbyleaguepodcastingnetwork.com, furgunfreak.com and nrlbreakingnews.com. It also pays a little bit for, both of our patrons pay a little bit for the uh, podcast hosting service that we're with. And then we kind of, anything else just goes towards podcasting equipment and, you know, websites and stuff that I'm buying. Um, so yeah. Anyway, we hope you have a good week this week. We will be back to regular scheduling very, very soon. I won't be flying solo. I'll be, you know, have my buddy back, my rugby league historian. I'm missing the Andrew. Where are you, pal? And uh, yeah, see you soon.